Welcome to In In It It Together. Together. I'm Jay. And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective. Hey again. Hello. How are you doing today? Doing good. Doing great, actually. That's great. So here we are at it again, huh? Yes, we are. So is there anything you wanted to talk about today? Yeah, I'd love to talk about self-compassion. Yeah, that's something that you're currently working on, right? Yes. When I say currently working on, I mean, I'm in the beginning phases. I understand it, you know, intellectually and clinically, but I'm going through this journey myself. Yeah, I think that's it's a perfect topic because this is all about self-improvement, right? Yes. And uh, what better topic than to deal with oneself and being compassionate for oneself, right? Exactly. The whole point of our podcast is to help you improve yourself. I want listeners that are out there, especially the ones that are you know tuning in and they're like, oh man, why did I come here? Then you know we want to be able to give them something to- Exactly, something you know to go saying? away with, you know, to exactly. take from this. That's it. So yeah, so self-compassion, that's what we're gonna, we're, that's what we're gonna talk about today. All right, so let's get into it, right? You know, let's break it down first of all, right? So what is self-compassion? Well, self-compassion is really showing kindness to yourself. And there are, you know, subcategories within that. There's three components of self-compassion. So, but why, before we get into the components of self-compassion, like why would someone uh, not have self-compassion? Well, that could be present when you've had a traumatic past. You know, trauma plays a lot into it, your childhood, poor relationships. So somewhere along the line, over a repeated period of time, people failed to show compassion when you were at your lowest. They failed to show you kindness. They failed to see where you were struggling and offer support during those times. And so therefore, you internalized that in not as self-esteem, because self-esteem and self-compassion aren't the same, but you lacked that ability in yourself. If the ones around you couldn't show you an ounce of compassion, somewhere along the line you felt you weren't worthy of it. So therefore, you ended up treating yourself the same way that others treated you in the past. So that's where there could be a breakdown of self-compassion for oneself. Yeah, so that ties into kind of uh, self-worth and self-esteem. So Correct. if you don't so you don't have a lot of self-esteem or you haven't been treated in a way where that has been, you know, fostered and built mm-hmm. up in you then then yes, then that's where that would come from, right? Is it like a self-loathing? I don't want to say, well, that's kind of extreme, I guess, right? Well, I wouldn't say it was. It would be extreme, but I will say, and in my case, I can say, there are underlying subconscious levels of self-dislikeness, self-hate for yourself. You could loathe yourself and not even realize it. There's definitely a lack of compassion and caring for yourself as an individual, and so, yes, there's a huge disconnect with that. Yeah, and I think there's there's definitely different levels, right? Because I, this is something that I tell you, right? Don't self-deprecate because you're constantly putting yourself down. And I'm like, this, that's not helpful. And I didn't even really see that that was a problem or where that came from until it was brought to my attention from somebody else that hmm, we can't move forward with this process until we start working on compassion for yourself. And I was like, are you serious? But yeah. How many times have you told me, stop putting yourself down? That's not, that's counterproductive. 
Yeah, exactly. So it, so it's important, especially for our listeners that are tuning in, to understand that that's where it starts, right? Is when you when you do something wrong. We all we're all imperfect beings. Mm-hmm. We all have things that we all have to work on ourselves. But it's it's important to you know to again to be compassionate about you know where you are and who you are, right? Just because there's something that you might not like about yourself doesn't mean that you should put yourself down about it. Yeah. It's it's you know it's a challenge to be worked. Um, opposed to, you know, because putting yourself down doesn't help the situation. As in your case. You're not going to progress. You're going to stay stagnant, hating yourself, making the same mistakes repeatedly over and over, guilty as charged, because you're lacking the ability subconsciously to see that, wait a minute, I deserve better than this. I'm better than this, which means that I need to make some improvements upon yourself. So when you're lacking that piece, that's why you keep repeating the same mistakes and looking back and be like, how did I get here? How did I get here? You didn't do anything different to get out of there. Like if you want results, you have to do what you haven't done before. So if you're used to putting yourself down repeatedly all the time and calling yourself names after you do something like make a mistake or have a failure in your life, then how are you going to progress from that? You just won't. You just won't. And I know this personally. Yeah, because it's like I said, you. this is something that you've struggled with personally for a long yeah. time. And I've seen that within you because it was what you said is, is right on. If you do something wrong, and this goes back to what we talked about in the previous podcast, right? How we emotionally deal with situations, right? You're, emo- you're much more emotional where I'm a yeah. little bit much more logical in dealing with it. So for me, if I... If I find a problem or I find something within myself that I want to fix, I automatically go to, okay, how do I, how do I go about fixing this, right? Where you get so caught up in the emotion of it. Mm-hmm. Well, that- I get caught up in the fact that I don't have compassion for myself for making mistakes. So therefore, I am so blinded to the fact that I'm beating myself up instead of taking that same energy to say, hmm, how can I fix this? And you... You nailed it with that. Yeah, exactly. So because you get you get so wrapped up in that and it's 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 a self-fulfilling prophecy because the the moment that you get so emotionally invested in something and you you just can't get yourself out of it, it becomes this cycle. Snowball. Exactly. And and it and it tends to ha- continuously happen, right? You don't learn from the mistake because you're constantly in this emotional cycle of, you know, I don't feel good about what I did. And because uh, because I did that, I don't feel good. And, and ex- you know, and it just snowballs. Yeah. And when you ask me, like, where would it come from? There are underlying levels of shame and embarrassment that people don't recognize. So when you're lacking self-compassion, that's why when you do something wrong and you feel shame and you feel embarrassed, those feelings are going to present themselves beyond anything else. Because somewhere along the line, you were beaten down so bad for everything that you did that that's all you knew was to feel shame and embarrassed. And being cognizant of that, I think, is the most challenging part of learning to work with yourself and being self-compassionate. So so how do you start being cognizant of that? And this is, again, for our, v- our listeners, where do you begin to be cognizant? Now, we've already kind of established, right, if you're if when you do something wrong, your first instinct is to, you know, put yourself down and beat yourself up over it. That's a that's a good first sign. What other signs do you think our listeners can kind of look to identify that 
lack of self-compassion for themselves. So we're not talking about the three components of self-compassion. We're just talking about signs to start recognizing that you're lacking, correct? Yes. Well, the first thing that you can look for is waiting until you say something bad about yourself because it's not until afterwards because more often than not, you know when you're putting yourself down and then you feel more shame. So let's say I do something wrong, right? Or let's say our listeners does something, they feel really guilty, they feel really embarrassed, they feel really yucky about it. They don't want to sit with that feeling of shame. So they'll make a noise, you'll do, you'll, you'll snap your finger, you'll do something to disconnect from that because it feels so bad. When you do that is when you need to stop. When you're trying to bypass what it is that you're going through and you're starting to put yourself down, that's when you need to stop and say, wait a minute. And I've done it a few times this past week. You need to say, wait a minute. No, I should not be putting myself down right now. I am a human. I'm going to make mistakes. And in doing that, you're not looking to get yourself off the hook. You're rather learning to accept your humanness despite the lack of perfection in your life. You know, you're not letting yourself off the hook like, eh, whatever, I'm human. It's more like, okay, I'm human. I made a mistake. My mistakes and failures don't define me as a person. It's that self-talk. But that's the first thing you can look for when you start to feel uncomfortable. That immediate sensation you get after doing something wrong, look for that. Find that and talk to yourself. If you can do that, you're less likely to start name-calling because name-calling comes when you can't handle the emotions that are underlying, underneath. Yeah, very good point there. Especially with uh, with what you said, you know, because there are people, right, that tend to, you know, just kind of let it roll off them, right? Yeah. Exactly. There's a difference between doing something wrong and saying, ah, you know what, it's I'm human, whatever. That that in itself is another way of not being compassionate to yourself because you're, uh, again, not acknowledging that portion of yourself that may may be triggering to some people, right? Exactly. There may be something that that you feel inside that you don't want to consciously be that way, but you don't have really any way of or knowledge of how to fix it. And that's why you're just kind of bypassing it. Right. Which is which is counterproductive in itself as well. Yeah, because you're not processing what's happening. You're not making peace with what's happening and that underlying shame and embarrassment that you're refusing to acknowledge is going to stay there. So the next time you do something wrong, you're probably, if you start off in the morning, you'll be like, ah, stupid, you probably shouldn't have done that. By the end of the night, you're swearing at yourself. By the end of the night, you're calling yourself some really bad names. And that's because it has built up from this morning. That shame and embarrassment gets thicker and deeper. And it's a lot harder to deal with those emotions and you can't run and hide from it, you know? So it's important that you don't try to bypass that and let yourself off the hook. It's more important that you just accept that you're human, that you're with imperfections, but that you're actively working on progress. Yes. Yeah. So, and that brings me to another point as well, right? This is about self-improvement. This is how you view yourself. Uh, What I want to isolate is you know you might be with an abusive partner that is demeaning to you you know this is different this is this is about how you treat yourself yes this is your viewpoints on yourself this is how you see yourself through a mirror this is what you value yourself as this is what you gauge yourself as this isn't what anybody else has to say about you now those things can affect how you view yourself however 
you got to get to a point that that's where self-compassion comes in because you're able to take a step back and say, wait a minute, mm -mm. I may have made some mistakes here. I'm actively working on it, but no name calling. That doesn't help me. Having compassion for yourself helps you be able to stick up for yourself in certain circumstances. And then you learn to not put yourself down. You learn to accept responsibility and you show other people how you want to be treated when you're at your worst. All right. So let's talk about the three. You, you mentioned you there are three important components. Yes. Thank you. Components to developing self-compassion. So what are those three components? Well, so the three components are mindfulness, self-kindness, and then connectedness. Those are the three subcategories under self-compassion that you need to work on so that it is a whole thought process for you. All right. So let's um, let's start with one by one, you know, delving into each individual one. We'll start with mindfulness. What is mindfulness? Well, this is where I struggle. Mindfulness is recognizing and being in the moment to know when you're stressed and to know when you're struggling. Ding, ding, ding. That is the toughest thing for me and for a lot of people. And that's because you're uncomfortable within your own skin. You're uncomfortable with the underlying feelings that you have. So therefore, you're not as present with what's going on because it just doesn't feel right. And so working on being mindful and taking some time to ask yourself some questions, taking a step back, being able to observe from a distance what's going on so that you can self-assess. That is the number one step to learning self-compassion. And that's where I'm at in this process right now. And we've talked about this in a lot of different facets of self-improvement, right? It's just that recognition mm -hmm. of it. And we talked a little bit about it uh, just a, a little while ago about, you know, the people that allow themselves to just let it roll off. That's more of denying the situation. Right. And that's, again, not being mindful of the situation in the moment. I think the biggest thing for me is is. I'm not always mindful of what's going on. You know, it's not till after the fact and you've had to point it out or something's happened. And then I feel worse about myself. That underlying shame starts to bubble and boil. And instead of being like, okay, he's had to point this out to me. I need to take a step back because clearly I'm struggling right now. Instead, it's like, here you go again. Can you do anything right? And then the self-deprecating comes into play because the reality is, is that I'm dealing with a trauma brain and I'm also dealing with hormonal fluctuations, not excuses, but I should at some point have a plan of how to function at my best during those times with things in place instead of letting it roll off my back and hoping the next moment's better. And that's where I fail. And that's currently what I'm trying to work on. And yeah. I know I'm not the only one. I, I know I'm not alone. And that brings me comfort. Yeah, and it, it's tough for me, and again, from the partner, from a partner's point of view, because a lot of the times I tend to think to myself, um, should I mention this to her right now? <laughs> you know, when I see you do something like drive off and leave the garage door open, <laughs> right? That was that was a rough day. <laughs> yeah, but that that was the whole the whole. That's why I bring it up, right? It was something very small and insignificant, but I'm like, oh, should I mention that? Because I knew you were having already a tough day. And that was one more thing that could, you know, push you over the edge. You mentioned it, though. Oh, I did mention it. You know it. why you mentioned it, though? Because I'm going to get off the cliff a lot sooner, you know, and you're not going to be at the point of wanting to scream and yell and not because I'm doing anything wrong. But, you know, leaving the garage door open, who knows, leaving the stove on, it could just spiral out of control. And, yes. I, and I can sit here and joke about it. But when I'm in it, I feel so worthless. 
Yeah, because my intent wasn't, again, not to attack you or put you down. Or again, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I don't want to mention this because this is just one more thing that she's going to go, oh, my God, I did this. Right. But it was it, it had nothing to do with that. And the reason I mentioned it is, is what you said. Right. I needed to make you mindful of where you were. Nothing to do with the garage door had everything to do with, hey, you need to slow down because you're doing things. You were more mindful of what was going on than I was. And that's where yeah. I'm struggling with. And I feel I feel awful when someone has to be like, well, oh, what so- I don't want to say someone, you. When you have to say like, hey, you know, where's your head or, you know, you're off right now or you're spacey. And it's like sometimes I know that that's what's going on in my head and I feel out of myself and I feel out of control. But I'm lacking the ability to spit it out and acknowledge it verbally. It's almost like it's overcoming me. Yeah, that's what I can I can see. Right. And that's kind of why I say those things to you, because it's I'm trying to trigger you to recognize just be mindful because yeah. i'm not asking you to f- correct any of these actions i understand that you're in you know in those moments you you're struggling so what i, I just want you to do is just be mindful because sometimes i i see that you're not as mindful as you should be because it would have been no problem if i drove off and said shit i left the garage open and i sent you a message honey i spaced out i know i left the garage is closed can you close it for me at that point you would have been like well she's mindful and she made a mistake okay but that's where I struggle. Exactly. It's the mindfulness I've, I've part. Done, I've done that several times. And that's the right? thing is that you do the same crap. And that's, and, but the difference though is, is that you're aware you did the crap. I'm not aware that I do the crap because my brain just does not work sometimes. And putting myself down and beating myself up is going to eat up whatever brain matters left trying to process what I did so I can get to a better point and just knock me down. So yes, mindfulness is huge. And again, I'm in step one right now. In, in recovery, I'm at step one. I'm at the basis. And I and I understand how difficult this is for you. We just had a conversation about that the other day. And I know it's tough. It's equally as tough for me in a completely different sense. But for anybody that's wondering, hey, is there anything that you've done to try to combat the mindfulness? I have about 10 sticky notes on my phone. You know, on the on, it's a widget. And I have it separated into things I have to do for the house, things hubby has asked me to do so I don't forget because I forget a lot, things to do for myself. And I have alarms that go off every half hour to say, how are you feeling? Are you aware right now? I know it sounds silly, but they've helped me today and I'm going to continue to do it because it helps. And you have to find what works for you. Yeah, it's what works for each person individually. I've I've heard of people like putting rubber bands around their wrists and snapping the rubber bands to kind of trigger memories or trigger to-dos, right? It's the same thing, right? It's yeah. whatever works best for you. you know, and you in particular. So I just started laughing my ass off because I pictured you implementing, you know, that clapper thing with the lights? You're just snapping your fingers and the lights are flicking everywhere. I'm like, oh, because start thinking again. Like it's to that point where it's like, it's like that electrical current that I need to go to my brain and I have to find that for myself. Now you're making me sound like a mad scientist trying to, I'm not making you sound like a mad scientist, but I'm sure at times it was maddening because you could see what I couldn't. And it's not because I don't want to do it. And it's not because there's something wrong with me. It's because I'm struggling with something and I don't have control over the struggle. I only have control over how I manage the struggle. And that's where I'm failing is the mindfulness stuff. So I'm not going to put myself down because now I understand where that comes from. And now it's time to do the tough work. Will I fail? Yes. Well, that brings us into the next one, right? Which is what? Self-kindness? Self-kindness versus judgment. And 
We need to learn to have a supportive stance when we fail at things. You know, treat yourself like a good friend. Have an understanding. And I had to do an exercise the other day that was mind-blowing for me. Do you want to know what that was? Yeah, enlighten us. It was, let's say your friend was having a difficult time. Talk to your friend. What's your tone? What would you say? And oh, I was like best friend of the year, like awards, ceremonies. Look, you're human. Stuff happens. Find the lesson in it. Your failures don't represent you. It represents that moment. That's great, right? Yeah. Okay. Now I had to do as if I was talking to myself in this workbook that I'm doing. And oh my God, the stuff that I said to myself, I would never call my friend the names that I called myself. I would never do that. And I realized that I have zero kindness and zero compassion for myself. And I have all of it for everybody else around me. Wow. What if you don't have any compassion for the people around you? Are you talking about yourself? (laughs) Um, I'm asking for a friend. Oh, you're okay. So tell your friend that if you're lacking compassion for other people, that we may not necessarily dealing with self-compassion, but narcissism. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You're not narcissistic at all. No, you do have compassion. To an extent, I think the first time someone does something, you're like, man, that's rough. But after that, you're like, okay, no, negative. I think there's always compassion underneath the things that you say, even if it doesn't come across as how I would. But I think you're a compassionate person. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think it's my... I'm sorry, your friend. Yeah. Well, you know, patience, I guess. I don't have the patience that you do. That is That's true. for sure. <laughs> you have the patience of a, of a saint. I, you know, I, I, I lack a little bit in that, in that department, but I think I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on that aspect of myself, but. It's hard when you have two people with a lot of things that they have to work through, trying to work on ourselves individually without the problems of your partner getting in the way, trying to make sure that you're staying close to the process so that you don't grow apart, trying to be each other's best friends while also learning to be your own best friend. And that's what you're trying to navigate too. Yeah. But I wonder how much of this self-kindness has to go with self-esteem because, you know, we, again, we deal with these matters completely differently, right? You're putting yourself down and that's affecting your self-worth, right? Where, you know, I beat myself up just as bad, if not worse, it doesn't affect me the same way. You know, I, again, I have a very healthy ego, (laughs) So that yes, I don't, I don't do, have a, I don't have a problem with that. So my in my self is like I don't I have healthy self esteem. I feel and <laughs> I love how you used healthy. <laughs> and you, but that's what I'm saying. So I can beat myself up about you know what I'm saying. If I do something stupid, I'm the first one to say that was stupid. You know that I did I, that was that yeah, was. Yeah, but a you don't walk away like me feeling stupid for the next twenty four hours. That, but that's that's what I'm saying. Well, that's the difference between the, between the two. So I'm trying to get to the bottom of. What is because that you're difference? a logical thinker. Logic wise tells you, hmm, you're not stupid. That was stupid. I'm an emotional thinker. I handle emotions. That was stupid. Therefore, I am stupid. See, that makes sense. See, that makes sense. So, if you're a, an emotional person, right? This has nothing to do because with because there's feelings male behind female, words for right? us. Whereas it, for yeah. you, from a logical standpoint, words are words. There's feelings behind everything that I say. Do you want pizza? There's feelings behind that. Do you want pizza? There's no feelings behind that for you. You're just hungry. There's a difference. And learning each other's languages is huge because everything I say, there's an emotion. Happiness, sad, anxious, worried, concerned, elated. They're all there. 
So from a, a male's brain, or more, I shouldn't say a male's brain because women can be very logical Correct. too. So, f- so from a more logical brain, right? Where can this self kindness start to erode? From someone who's like yourself. Yeah. So I, I'm tr- again. I don't. I don't suffer from this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I'm trying to, uh, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to relate or trying to you know, reach out to a listener that might have a more logical approach to things, but still struggles with this particular situation. It, it means that that person has potentially been through some, you know, trial, some situations where they've been broken down by somebody very, very, very close to them. So the logical part of their brain is clouded right now. You know, it's called, it's like cognitive dissonance. Okay. It's when your right and left hemisphere of your brain have conflicting formats going on and so you're stuck in the middle you know one side believes one way the other side's feeling something else so there's this disconnect and you're not sure how to feel about what's going on so the most powerful one of those two emotions is going to present itself so if your emotions are extremely heightened right now logically that's going to take a little seat right and your emotions are going to lead make sense yeah that does make a lot of sense So that brings us into the third, right? Connectedness. Connectedness. That's right. And connectedness simply means that you're not alone and that everybody makes mistakes. We are all interconnected. We are all connected to one another. Any mistake that I have made, a million people have made. Leaving the garage door open, not hearing somebody's needs being said to me. Like my son's like, hey, can I cuddle with you? Can I cuddle with you? And I'm like, oh, not a lot, land. That happens. Forgetting to get something at the grocery store, forgetting to do something that your spouse asked you to. I am not alone in making these mistakes at all. However, I need to find a solution to work through them and not allow them to dictate who I am. I'm not a failure, but I keep failing, so I need to find something. And it's 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 that it's that connectedness to know that, wait a minute, I'm human, I'm not alone in this. And that's something you can say when you make a mistake. Again, I don't struggle with this, right? Mm-hmm. But it it must be very isolating to feel that way, right? To feel like, oh, you know. It is when you're talking to someone who doesn't struggle with it. So if you sit me in a room with a whole bunch of people, I'm going to feel like I'm okay. I'm not going to feel like something is wrong with me because everybody's sharing that. And so it's like, well, okay, yeah, I did that too. And then automatically you're like, wait, I'm okay. But when you're conversing with someone like yourself that, doesn't go through that it's like whoa something's wrong with me yeah well it's important to to mention that you know we all struggle with these things individually you know just at different levels you know we all self-deprecate to a certain extent right we all put each other down you know uh to a certain extent it's all about we're all interconnected and we all have these same struggles right you know so it's important to to understand that you're not alone you're not alone in any anything that that happens to us. There's it happens some, to all of us. Exactly, exactly. It happens to all of us. We all lose loved ones. We all have dysfunctional family members. We all have had heartaches. We've all made mistakes and forgot about things. We've all been uber emotional and logic has failed us. There's not one thing in this world that I haven't experienced that someone else hasn't. Yeah, you know, failed relationships, you know, failed marriages, you know, that this all happens, you know, and yeah. it's about and, and again, it goes back to that mindfulness being aware. So you're not repeating the mistakes. Exactly. And you're learning from these you know, mistakes. And what I can say is like for the first time in a very, very long time, 
I have hope for myself to be able to. And, and, and first, let me just say is I consider myself intelligent. I consider myself well-spoken and loving and kind. You know, I, I feel those things about myself for the first time. But now, for the first time, I see that there's so much more beyond where I'm at. And I'm hopeful to get there. So would you say these are the benefits of having self-compassion? Well, yeah. Statistically, and there's a lot of research in some of the psychology journals that people who are more compassionate with themselves are less emotional, right? I'm looking forward to this workbook. More resilient during times of challenges, deaths, divorces, pandemics, and things of such. And you'll see a link to happiness, a decrease in depression, and a a decrease in anxiety. It's all there. People who manifest more self-compassion within themselves have a reduction in all those things. Those are benefits of just being kind to yourself, of just seeing yourself as a human being interconnected to everybody in this world with flaws, just trying to be the best version of yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if someone around you responds in a way and you feel really bad about it it's okay you know it's not a reflection of who you are or your worth or that you're deserving of that that person's response is theirs and theirs to own it is not you what you need to own is this is how I responded this is I got to try something new to try to see if I can fix this and that's okay and when you can get to that point and you can sell, you know, have self-compassion and stop self-deprecating. All of those benefits slowly over time will present themselves like, hello, hi, like a neighbor. And I think that that's really awesome that that's part of that process. Knowing that that's where you can go is going to help drive you to continue to push through those challenging times. And I think that helps with when you're in a relationship, right? Or whether you're in a relationship now or you're looking to get into a relationship, right? Having that self-awareness, that self-compassion makes you more of a whole person and helps you, you know, to attract or uh, to be with another, to be able to share yourself with another person. We talked about healthy relationships. It's, you can't have a healthy relationship if you don't, aren't working on being a whole person individually. So you can um, provide that as a partner. You'll never be 100% whole. And I think that that's where people give up. Like, oh, here I am. It's a journey of working towards just being better. So for me, my goals need to be realistic. Am I going to fail at times? Yes. But I'm going to recover quicker. I'm not going to put myself down. And I'm not going to tomorrow feel like a failure for yesterday's mess up. I'm going to say, yesterday I messed up doing this. Guess what? That shit's not going to happen today because... I now have a timer, and so the steak's not going to get burnt this time, and it's just doing that. And that's what I've done for the last two days. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but 48 hours ago, I came up with a little plan for myself, and it's working. Now it's being consistent with it. That's also part of, of, of compassion for yourself is knowing that you're worthy and deserving of the time that it's going to take to work on yourself, and I experienced that today. Well, that's a great point. Um, because it is about consistency, right? Because you've you've done this before. <laughs> yeah, I see you looking at me over there. There are times where you've made a conscious. I don't think it's been to the extent of level of mindfulness that you have now. And I think that's the big difference. Because a lot of the mindfulness you've experienced before in the past was a lot of just me telling you, hey, you need to be aware of this. 
right? I think you've come to that realization that you need to be mindful uh, for yourself. And these are things that you want to change for yourself, opposed to things that, you know, that I may have brought up that you're saying, oh, okay. Uh, but these are things that you have actively seeked out that you know, you know that you need to make drastic changes because you don't, you, you know, you want to be better. You want yeah, to be- I don't feel good this way. Like I'm not happy like this, you know, and I have people every day that ask me, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I share with them anything that I'm sharing in my TikToks or anything that I'm sharing are things that I am actively failing and working at every single day. And it is tough. Like this morning, and I'm going to share this little story. I hadn't been doing my exercise for a while because, you know, my doctor was like, you know, take it easy. To... But the reality is, is that there's days to take it easy and there's days that just try to push yourself, right? So I did the exercise and then I'm like, okay, that was about 40 minutes. Then I had to go walk the dog and then I had to go do my checking in with myself. Let me see how my brain is and all that stuff. And then I'm like, oh my God, that's taking two hours. And I was like, you know what? If it takes me four hours to work on myself, then I'm going to do that. And if only half the house gets clean today, then friggin' so be it. Because guess what? When my house has been clean from top to bottom, I've been a damn mess. Who gives a crap about any of that? And today I delegated. Hey, I need you guys to do this. I need you guys to do that. Two hours it took the house to get clean. And it was literally... We forget when we lack self-compassion to ask for help because we don't think we deserve help. That's part of it. It is all part of why my life is the way that it is. So I'm really excited. And I want anybody that's listening right now to know that although a journey and although it's going to be difficult at times, it is so worth it and it will be so worth it because at the end of the day, you'll never be alone. You'll always have yourself. And that is the most amazing thing that can come from that's the most amazing benefit that can come from self-compassion you'll never feel alone yeah that's very important because that self-compassion is a driving force for you it's your journey for to self-improvement it's your journey um and that's that's what we're talking about here right is you know how do we become better people and become better uh, for ourselves for our relationship you know for our children we want to show that and you do this now right you're you're a persona, you're an image on TikTok, but people, you know, follow what you're doing and, and, and emulating what they see that you do. And it's important that you're going through this journey with them. Yep. That's one of the things I say, come and take my hand. Let's do this together. I totally agree with that. Now, for people that are listening, what if you're the one that's not struggling? What if you're the partner, you, you know, you're not struggling with self-compassion. You got a pretty good self-esteem. You look at yourself like, yeah, you know, Sometimes you're the first one to call yourself dumb, but you squash it up as, you know, an experience, as a lesson, and you move forward. How do you support your partner without making them feel worse in the situation, without thinking less of your partner, and without wanting to give up? What keeps you where you're at? How do you get through those times when you can see all the greatness in me that I can't? And how do you continue to want to work on things? Like, there has to be someone out there listening to this right now being like, crap. Well, it's it's what you just said, right? I see everything that you don't, right? I see the wonderful person that you are. You're just struggling with that. I, and again, you know, you, you, you said it, right? If I'm seeing how great you are and you're not living up to that potential, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not saying the things I'm saying to put you down. I'm saying the things I'm saying to kind of just wake you up. And obviously my approach has been lacking these you know, years that we've been together, but it's always come from that, you know, 
I, I don't give up on you because I see that you're working, that you're putting in the, the hard work, even though you fail repeatedly sometimes, <laughs> you're still working for towards it, right? Because we're, again, we're not, we're all imperfect beings. I work at things all the time that I fail at, right? You know, I fail at, you know, being patient or I fail at, you know, being expressive enough to you and in, 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 in fulfilling, you know, in helping you along that, that journey. I fail at focusing on myself sometimes and, and how I, how do I grow and how do I self-improve? Right. So there's all things, there's, there's a, a lot of things that every, I fail at, you know, that everyone fails at. I don't give up because I see that. I see that potential. You know, if I didn't see that, I wouldn't, you know, again, I, I probably wouldn't be here anymore. Right. Um, so you answered your own question is like, I stay in here because I see what you can't see. If I felt that it was a hopeless endeavor, then I wouldn't, you, you know how I am, you know how lo how logical I am, right? So if I'm not a, the type of person that would continuously beat my head against the wall, if I didn't think at some point I'm going to make inroads. Well, I just want to, I just want to clarify that you do beat yourself, your head up against a wall, but the wall cracks. Every little time a brick goes into place, it's just, it's a long process with me. And I wish it was quicker, but I realize that it's not going to be quick. And I realize it's just going to take time. And the more I try to rush the process, the more mistakes I'm going to make along the way, and I'm just not going to do it right. So I just have to just actively be working on myself. And eventually, like a behavior, I'll get it. And I will. And I've, I've made significant change from where I was when I was in my 20s to where I am now, which means that when my 40s come, I'm going to be so much better. And it's, I want to be better. I desire to be better. I desire just to feel better about myself because when I feel better about myself, others feel good about me. Yeah. And my biggest failure, I guess, in, in all of this is not focusing more on just myself. You know, I've, I've focused a lot about on you and, and your struggles, and I haven't focused a lot on myself and what I need to work on because mm -hmm. I've been so hyper-focused on, you know, where you are. And like, we've had these discussions, right? It's like now it's time for that change, right? There's time for, okay, I know, I, I, I have the confidence that you know and understand yourself that you don't need me to constantly, you know, remind you of what you need to work on. And just to be clear, I never wanted that either. It's just, I guess what I needed at that time. Like, I recognize that now more than ever, I'm going to fail probably a lot more because I'm going to have to do it all on my own. So your patience, you're just going to have to be there and you're just going to have to wait because I'll come through the other side. I always will. And I have no doubt that you'll be there. Yeah, you're getting emotional. And I think that's that's your your abandonment issues kicking in there, right? It's a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, you feel like, okay, well, what does this mean? Right. It's like it's it but intellectually. I understand that that's not what it means at all. Ch change is scary. I think change is scary. Change is scary for you. Uh, you know, ch but change it. All the big moments of change have always been amazing. It, it, so it's it, like, hello. exactly. That's the exactly. It's like you have to kind of kind of wrap your brain around it a little bit. It's like every big moment of change for us as a couple and individually has opened up more doors. Yeah. Has opened up these greater. I think it's advances. No I focus on how you say it. Like we've established that you do not communicate a certain way. 
So I focus on, you know, how you say it and what you're saying. And I deduce whatever it is from that. Like if you say, you know, it's, it's about me now, you know, I'm not going to be focusing on you. See, that's, that's, what, like, oh that's what I'm God. saying. So th- this is again, like a perfect example of how the difference in communication, that's not what I'm saying is, okay. You know, it's like what you heard is, okay, I'm a band. I'm going to work on myself and you're all by yourself and you're all alone. Right. What I'm saying, what you fail to, to hear is I, believe in you and i trust in you that you can now do this on your own if you would have said that that, that would have been but that's, but that's what i said that's what <laughs> that's that, not what he said. that that's the point that's exactly that's what i said you know but and again it's perfect because it's on a podcast now you can actually turn, rewind it and, and listen to it right so but that's what i said what you heard is 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 what you felt right what you emoted to right it's like okay oh right so he's, you know, you're so used to me being the guiding force mm-hmm. that once I say, okay, it's, it's, it's time to let the reins go and it's time for you to, you know, take flight. That's scary for you. It's like, okay, well, you know, now that I have no rain I don't have him to rein me in, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to sink or swim? See, and again, I'm less scared about sinking and swimming and more of like, okay, well, what does this mean for our relationship? But that's silly because- What's silly about that is it it means great things. It means that you can focus on yourself and all the things that that may trigger me and or whatever. You'll be working on those things and then I'll be working on my things and then maybe we won't be having the silly arguments over things that don't need to be there. Like there's going to be so much greatness that is going to come from me simply learning to just be kind to myself and be compassionate and mindful. Like learning to treat myself the way that you've always treated me. Really? I mean, that's what it comes down to. But I'm really glad that I was able to elicit those emotions from myself so that whomever's listening right now, I guarantee there's a couple people out there sobbing. And I want them to know that that's just because I'm an empath. That's how I feel. I feel things before people say things. Now, maybe I could apply that to being more mindful of things. That would be fantastic. So how can I take being an empath and apply it to use it, you know, for the betterment of myself? being more mindful of what's going on. Because if I'm more mindful, I can simply be like, my husband just trusts the fact that I got this and I'm a boss, I'm gonna be fine. And he's gonna be there at the end of the day. He's just gonna be working on himself. He's not gonna be yelling at me no more to do things. He's just, he knows that you've got this. That's scary. Change is scary for people, but change is good. Not all change is bad. Yeah, and this is something we should, we also need to teach our children, right? That change is, is good and change is, and to be self-aware and self-reliant. Yes. And that that's important because, you know, I think a lot of what you're feeling, right, or a lot of your abandonment issues come from a lack of self-reliance. Correct. You know, so it's when you become reliant, when you see that I have confidence in you that, that you got this, right? I think that's where, you know, your self-esteem is going to grow and you're going to feel better about yourself. And, and again, I think for a long time, I've been your guiding force, right? And I need to stop that because that, that's not helpful. Me, no, you need that's to not let been me helpful. spread my wings exactly, and find because my way. Once, when you do it for your, when you find your own way and you do it for yourself, then I think that's going it to- It sticks. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be much more powerful, empowering to you to be able to, okay, I did that on my own. I did that and I can do this. 
You know, and I yeah, think that feels that, good because it's not like, oh, I did it. Yay. My husband told me to do it. And I did it. It's more like I just figured something out. And you may look at me and I, <laughs> I have seen you do this before. Like, you know, that's what I've been saying for the last 10 years. But whatever. I'm happy for you. Like, that's great. And it's true. But I have to figure things out on my own and do things on my own. And that's where we fail as parents. You know, that's why we control our kids. But sometimes your kids, you need to just let them. You need to let them go and you need to let them find themselves. And the reality is, is that you took me under your wing when I was really broken. You just never let your wing up. And that's that's exactly. And that's that's what we need to work on. That's that's our next. That's the next page. And, you know, the in next chapter story. in yeah. our story. Right. It's just me allowing you to grow within yourself and empower yourself. And that doesn't mean I won't need direction at times. It just means that. I'm going to need to be more mindful and cognizant. Yeah, There's really not a lot that's going to change. Exactly. Because it's <laughs> it's just, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm going to still, re- you know, I'm still going to reel you back when you're going off the cliff. Yeah, because that's as you- <laughs> that's not trauma. That's not hormonal. That's a personality thing about me. I don't have a lot of great direction. I have amazing drive. So I'm still going to need you to be like, yo, take a left. And I got to be okay with that. But now the power is completely in your hands. And I think that's where it becomes scary for you. you yeah, because I'm, I'm potentially going to go over a cliff. It's like what you said, right? <laughs> it's just up. like it's been 10, 10 years, well, however many years, right, of, again, me beating my head against the wall and saying, hey, you know, why aren't you getting this? Why aren't you getting this? And now we're recognizing you didn't get it because you didn't you didn't come to it on your own. Mm-hmm. It was always me telling you, you know, kind of this is where you need to go. I'll get there. I know I will. I know I'm. Fully confident, and that's why we're we're we are where we are, and we're turning that next page and the next chapter. Yeah, I do. And for anybody that is listening, I just want you to know that if you have somebody in your life that's guiding you, it's not them trying to control you. I mean, in your non-abusive relationship, in my relationship with my husband, as you could tell, it was more of just him, you know, trying to help guide me to stay on a path because he saw my potential. So sometimes. If your partner's doing that, it's not coming from a negative place. It's really coming from a place of caring because they can see in you what you can't see in yourself. So I hope that this podcast was super helpful. Yeah, (laughs) I hope it related to someone and someone can take. Honestly, I think it will. Even just a little bit of this and uh, and effectively adapt it to, you know, what they're doing and, and how they're approaching things and that it helps them and if it only just begins their journey to self improvement, then, hey, then that's all we're, we're that's all we care about. If all that happens is this, is someone says, "Holy crap, I lack self compassion." Yeah, let me let me get some more information on that, and let me let me figure out you know yes. how I can be better at that. Then that's all we care about. Absolutely. So, anyways, I really hope you guys enjoyed this. And like always, if you have questions, you have a story you want to share, you want to come on. Email us at podcast at epiphanymedia.com. Or if you're on TikTok, you can follow me at ask.courtney. I'm also on Instagram, askcourtney underscore. Friend request me. Let's make some friends. I always say that healing is messy. But when you surround yourself with people who understand, it's a lot easier to clean up. Absolutely. That's why we're all in this together. So stay safe, guys. Take care. And remember, it's okay to ask for help.